picture your face in the mirror. You see all those wrinkles around your eyes? How about crow's feet or large under eye bags? Well, imagine they're gone. And I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery, just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It's, it's the edge you're looking for. Simply put, you'll be blown away by the results. Plexiderm can give you the confidence you'll need to be yourself out at work or with friends. The best part is Plexiderm goes on clear so nobody knows you're using it, unless of course you tell them, which is sort of bragging. Go to triplexiderm.com and use my code SEXYLIBERAL for 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra $10 off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning code SEXYLIBERAL. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit triplexiderm.com today and use the code SEXYLIBERAL at checkout. That's triplexiderm.com. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Standing up and speaking out, here's Hal Sparks. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us again this lovely Saturday morning um, or Saturday afternoon or heck, Saturday evening. Uh, do, do we any, does anyone know what time it is? I think it was a song from the 70s um, that we're all living through right now. As the days kind of overlap into each other and we kind of figure out what the new abnormal is currently, Anyways, the president and his um, sort of key group of sycophantic internal administration supporters have been repeatedly vacillating on the value and importance of wearing masks in public. Now, I know, I know, I know that uh, Maggie from The New York Times and and several other sources have, have, you know, devoted a good deal of of page acreage and time on their shows to the idea that the president has changed his tone and that there's a new tone and there's toning up of the toneness in the White House. When in reality, he is uh, essentially recognized, as we have pointed out on my show, that the pandemic as it rolls through the country initially hit states that the president regarded as blue states that he was going to lose in the election anyways. And the strategy allegedly put forward by Jared Kushner initially was that they would blame the blue states for being poorly run as a political or um, at the very least electoral edge, you know, in advertisements and whatnot. And that they would claim that the red states were more or more competently run. And in the in the vernacular of Donald John Trump, the governors of those states were more, and I quote, talented. So they didn't have, quote, much of a problem. And that the people who seemed to not be affected by this disease early on, had, it, had an, it had something to do with the strength of their immune system, much like children supposedly have a strong immune system. And, and that the adults in these blue states were somehow weaker they're also uh, liberal, radically run, and um, throw in a couple of dog whistles about them uh, being where the majority of black people in the country are, allegedly. Um, and you've pretty much got the messaging from the White House in terms of the pandemic. And then all of a sudden, the president has this this change in tone, we've heard, uh, about the, the the value of wearing a mask. Thank you, Michelle, and thank you uh, right out of the gate, you guys, for the super chats this morning. Happy Saturday to you as well. Uh, Lisa Miamore, thank you as well. Um, so the president all of a sudden gets points for a change in tone and updating of his message, a, a new realism that he is viewing. Um, thank you, Brian. Um, that is going to define the messaging for the president at this serious turn in the uh COVID-19 pandemic as it rolls through the country and through at least Election Day. The, the idea is that now that he's mentioned masks, now that masks are a, you know, an, are going to be part of the messaging, this is a big deal. Now, I, like everybody else, was shocked at the turn 
but not shocked at how the president pushed it. The president himself brought forward this message um, in his standard fare of finger reading at a podium with a a vocal tone that sounds much more like a dial tone and <laughs> and in many ways points to the fact that he's doing this either begrudgingly, doesn't believe it, or feels like this is a limited message they'll only put out, you know, uh, for a few days to get the press off of his back, that this is about polls, not information. And if we just get through this, I can go back to complaining about China if I just say we have to wear masks. Now, I'm of the belief, and I think a lot of people uh, share this with me if they're not insane, that had the president from day one treated this with the seriousness uh, that everyone at the CDC and the NIH and the World Health Organization and, and many other, uh, I guess, the, the national health systems of several other allied states that were affected by this uh, Chinese and Russian propaganda, notwithstanding, and, and the, the story that Iran was telling itself, for example, um, notwithstanding, that he could have come out in March and presented himself as the unique savior for this time in history. He could have come out after having all that, the, everyone at the NIH and the CDC and the, and the task force that had been put together initially in January with Alex Azar in charge. And then after Alex Azar either fell out of favor or when, he only, when they only asked for $2 billion from Congress and got eight, I guess Trump was mad at Azar for not asking for 16, you know, because art of the deal. Anyways, he he lets Alex Azar go, replaces him with someone who knows less about the subject, Mike Pence. And since then, Mike Pence has been trying to be, in some ways, the steady voice of replacement leadership in case Donald Trump steps down or something along those lines. Now, in the case of the the messaging that went forward, you know, the, the CDC guidelines were relatively normal and clear. Wash your hands. If you're symptomatic, stay out of public. Uh, you know, if you isolate yourself or quarantine, you quarantine yourself for 14 days minimum. You know, don't go to crowded places, clean common surfaces, wear a mask, all those things that were kind of standardized that have been around, quite frankly, since in, in, in reality, 1918 and the pandemic, if you're not going to count the uh crow-shaped uh, plague masks that were fashionable by doctors in the uh, dark ages. The, the, the idea of wearing a mask both through the Spanish flu and through the tuberculosis epidemic, for example, you know, was a fairly normalized ripcord you pull at CDC if there's a contagion of this sort going around, a one that's also initially perceived to be an ILI, an influenza-like illness an idea that many people had in the very beginning because of the respiratory nature of this disease. And in that, you know, normal approach, we now know, by the way, that that's not the case, that this is not an influenza-like illness, specifically because the flu largely only transmits if you have symptoms or are symptomatic and left traces of yourself in the form of snot all over uh, countertops and other areas. So uh, common common areas, the places we're supposed to clean, according to the CDC, since forever. But the president's tone was the, the shift everyone was looking for. There were a couple or three moments where, you know, he he kind of leaned in that direction, but never, never at any point did he present to a, you know, to the to the public that this is a mandate from the White House or a recommendation from the White House that is, in, you know, that will benefit the, the public long term. That's crucial for us to get our economy started. But then finally, the president changed his tone. In spite of the fact that his followers, his, his devout Q base that's out there has been spitting and coughing all over people who suggest they wear a mask in places where that they share air with their fellow Americans in a in a nationalistic attempt to not murder their fellow citizens. Um, 
the president finally comes to and realizes that as the blue states, California's uh, Southern California, notwithstanding because of the Arizona bleed over, have gotten their the covid infections under control largely in their states through mandates, through lockdowns, through social distancing rules put in place. And that the red states who initially blew it off are now getting hit with the largest number of cases. And because of their lower population and because of the higher population in the states that the blue states, as that statistic crisscrosses and the blue states continue to go down and the red states continue to go up. But because they have a lower population, it creates a plateauing effect, hence the thousand people a day. Now, if you went red to blue politics wise, it would there would be a really scary statistic, a really scary poll for the Trump campaign going into the fall in that the crisscrossing of the lines of those states, the blue state, red state line is also translating largely to a voter base illness and and death ratio. Specifically, the the people who are getting severely ill. But and and the case rate, which scares the crap out of people and makes them fear for the people and their families that they might spread it to that crisscross. When you look at those numbers is very scary because now it's starting to kill Trump voters. Now it's starting to kill the Republican base and it's endangering through their disbelief about asymptomatic spread. It's endangering effectively the entire fan base of Fox News. There is a reason why CNN and MSNBC run ads for um, resorts where people are frolicking in bikinis and shorts on the beach. And Fox has catheter ads. It's demographics. And Fox News has recognized that their demographic is about to get murdered. So um, the (laughs) the this is a. A lesson they are learning a bit late, but learning it all the same is the idea. That's the idea, right? That finally there was this change in tone, even if it was a monotone, that the president now recognizes the importance of wearing a mask in public social distancing. Stick to those rules. We might get through if everybody just pays attention to those rules. And then last night in an impromptu news conference at Bedminster at his New Jersey golf course where he is golfing all weekend as 165,000 Americans pass away, um, uh, accumulate uh, accumulate a death toll of 165,000 in the United States, a thousand a day. He says at the end of it, when one reporter asks, why aren't people here obeying the New Jersey rule about wearing a mask in public. And the president's answer is it is an act of peaceful protest that these people at my golf course are not wearing a mask and it's a private political event. Therefore they don't have to wear masks. It is somehow not necessary because it's a political event and what they are doing by not wearing a mask is a political statement. Which, for the record, destroys the tone argument in one fell swoop and makes it worse. Because not only is he not supporting wearing masks in public properly like you should, which is a baseline that he finally achieved. But he is now saying outwardly that the act of not wearing a mask is an act of political protest and a sign of support for him. Madness. Welcome to the show. Happy Saturday. How are you? It's the House Parks Radio program, Mega Worldwide, and uh, I'll be back right after these messages, as they say in old fashioned television. Now let's get back to House Parks Radio program, Mega Worldwide. So welcome back to the show. There is a and I hope the audio is louder for those in the chat room. And I want to thank you guys for the super chats and the support and all our Patreon supporters that have been growing over time. Bless you. I thank you. It's nice to be an actual independent media arm right now on our own, you know, and not be what is effectively a filtration system for Russian propaganda, because uh, those of you that have been under a rock for the last three years, um, and I don't mean the country. Uh, may not have noticed 
how much the not only the Russians messed around in the 2016 election cycle, but how much they're doubling down on it this time and how important it has been for uh, them as a strategy, considering they don't produce anything. See, Russia, unlike, you know, China and even Iran to some degree, um, don't actually make anything. Iran, you know, with its ties throughout the Middle East and and their ability to, I guess, I suppose arms is one thing that Russia and Iran share and, and Iran being a conduit for Russian arms, you know, is kind of a trade partner in that regard. Uh, there, there is that, but they're a much smaller player. And there is an argument, um, read an oppo recently, that uh, an op-ed recently, beg your pardon, that Iran in and of itself it has been running on a, on sort of a farcical governmental policy for a very long time. And that a lot of the unrest that we see in, in the Western world around there is not only displeasure with the authoritarian aspects of that government, but also the, quite frankly, them just not living up to the basic ability of government to function in and of itself. And that a lot of it is just a lot of show. Gee, where, where, what other countries have had to deal with that? Um, I guess one of the big examples was, if you'll recall, the Iranians made a mock-up, a fake uh, um, U.S. aircraft carrier, a, a fake boat with fake planes painted on it and all that stuff. And they, they towed it out into the water in the Strait of Hormuz, I think it was, and they fired on it like they were shooting an American ship and like, we'll show you. And they shot at their giant cardboard ship. And they they've done this a couple of times with this giant fake ship. They just it's a it's just a dummy vessel vessel for, I guess, doing military training exercises. But it's painted to look like a U.S. aircraft carrier. And um, they uh, they were towing it back last time and it 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 capsized and sunk. And then it blocked one of their major ports where they bring food and stuff into the country. It's not it's one of those things that would drive your citizenry a little crazy, especially if they were hungry, needed medicine or, I don't know, appliances from other countries. And you've sunk a fake aircraft carrier in the waters and you can't get ships around it. So. um but in, I mean, there's a lot of issues uh, around this that uh, that are an ongoing issue with Iran. They're they're sort of the least of our worries in many ways. Um, and it turns out that the office of the director of national intelligence released a report about Russian interference into the upcoming election, into the 2020 election. And in so doing, there was a dis people who saw the report recognized a distinct change in how the intelligence was was presented, let's say, in the document versus what the actual information coming in every year has been and specifically in the last year. And the distinct difference in change showed up when. Dan Coates was let go after the initial ODNI report last year, beginning of August, came out and said, Russia is messing around in our election. They distinctly are trying to get Donald Trump reelected. Um, they are taking active measures regularly, ongoing, both in propaganda and in phishing hacks into our election systems in states, into the, the voter gathering information of the, both the DNC and the RNC, they are trying to, uh, you know, catfish people like live people within campaigns, within secretary of state offices to try and get their uh, their login information so that they can affect actual voter rolls. And then on top of that, this continual onslaught, this barrage of um, ironically, I suppose, fake news driven by Russian propaganda and this Steve Bannon-esque flood the end zone with with excrement 
concept, wherein unlike the the intelligence systems of other countries, which effectively alternate between promotion of the country they are, you know, uh, of their own country and uh, negative propaganda against uh, that answers back against any bad stories that exist that other countries put up about them. So both promotion, hyper promotion of your own country. And then when another country says something bad, um, writing a story, whether true or false, to uh, deny that story and break it down and pretending it's from another alternate source or a a free source. The Russians, on the other hand, have an entirely different strategy, which is just gum up the works that information in and of itself, that truth is the enemy, that if you can flood the airwaves with a mixture of artificial balance and and conspiracy theories and um, rabbit holes of unnecessary information through the promotion of certain ideas, through um, the the support of certain voices over and the and the denigration of others. You can actually create a system where nobody knows quite what's true, or even when they hear the truth, they hear a, um, you know, uh, whenever you hear the truth, you also in the back of your mind, well, but is that, I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff too. There's these kind of things. That kind of information is always haunting, you know, in the back of your head is driving, you know, your, your thought process and sort of diminishing your acceptance of what is effectively a baseline fact, like, Uh, COVID-19 is a very contagious disease. Its uh, spread is scientifically slowed by 60% if you wear a mask whenever you interact with other people, um, that washing your hands has a distinct effect on the spread of the virus as well, and not touching your face, all those kind of things. That that constantly floating this stuff that it isn't true or that it might make it worse or the idea that breathing your own carbon dioxide while wearing a mask somehow lowers your immune system, all these kind of things, feeding into these QAnon and and, and conspiratorial storylines, seeding those constantly and then reflecting those on places like RT. And then the it creates this cycle where the, you know, you even had Sinclair broadcasting across all of its stations, planning on running a, a documentary called Plandemic, a QAnon-inspired conspiracy theory documentary about the idea that this disease wasn't accidental or a, a natural occurrence like many infectious diseases in the interactions of 7.6 billion people will be, but that it was started specifically in a lab with a particular mission. What that mission is gets watery when you start looking at who it actually affects more than others. The initial uh, stories coming out of Russia, for example, were to foment this idea that uh, and and help the Chinese government tip up the idea that it was created by the United States specifically to murder Chinese people and that it affected Chinese people specifically due to their DNA, that the that it was aimed at the DNA of Chinese people, um, which, of course, fell apart as soon as it started killing Italians and, of course, African-American and Hispanic people at a higher clip in the United States, that it is, as an infection, um, much more complicated as life actually is. Life, life, life is very complicated, in case you didn't know. And people who run at you with, you know, either simple solutions to highly complex problems are not telling you the whole story or trying to sell you something. And the people who are trying to over add complexity to it are trying to make you feel hopeless and make you retract away from doing anything about it. Since you can't do everything about it, you shouldn't do anything about it is the, is part of the other Russian methodology and, and languaging. And the difference between Chinese propaganda, for example, which is very distinct in its messaging, which is, um, present an idea of China as perfect and an exemplary society for everyone to follow and present within it an idea of the ideal Chinese person in, you know, both movies and ad campaigns and and the like mixed with pushing back on any 
outside pressure on the Chinese government's, you know, the negative effects of policy there. Um, oh, wow. I blew past the break. Um, that this is a this is a very talky show today. There's a lot of information to get out. We're going to take a break. When we come back, um, there is a very specific methodology that the Russians are using that differ from the propaganda of every other country in the world, which has both function for the management of a greater society that uh, it often seems ham handed when it's done properly. Good propaganda is the kind that you can spot it as propaganda, but it's a nice thing. It's almost like advice. Bad propaganda is the stuff that pretends to be on your side, but actually is pushing for something that's actually detrimental to the society, your life, or the country, those kind of things. The the Chinese and the Iranians, people in the Middle East, India even, um, a lot of countries have these kind of society-building propaganda mechanisms. The Russians is very different, and we'll talk about that when we come back. You know what I hate? When your social media pops up with a summer vacation pic from like five years ago, and it's great memories, but you're like, uh, when did the wrinkles and the bags around the eyes show up? Delete, delete. Well, not this summer. Let's say no more pop-up pics with deep wrinkles, fine lines, and bags under the eyes. And I'm not talking about surgery. I'm talking about Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags all in the comfort of your home in minutes. Plexiderm goes on clear and lasts for hours, so nobody will know your secret. I tried it, and I look like me, just younger, healthier, and better rested. The results will blow you away. Get Plexiderm and love how you look and feel this summer in the mirror, and in photos. Go to TryPlexiderm.com and use the code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm plus an additional $10 off. Or try a $14.95 trial pack today by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention VOICES. Again, visit TryPlexiderm.com and use code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle plus an additional $10 off. Or try a $14.95 trial pack when you use code VOICES. You're listening to Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back. So the um, before I blew through the break, as I'm I'm going to tend to do when I get on a rant these days, um, the uh, New York Times has put out a, a, an article recently, and you might have seen some of the um, references to it when it's brought up. And the president hates bringing it up, and he starts doing this whole like, "Well, how come you bring up Russia, 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 and you don't bring up China?" Okay, China has a distinct um, oddly enough, and considering how Trump has talked about Xi Jinping being his buddy and he knows how to handle them very well. And even though they've treated us very poorly, they're going to buy a bunch of stuff from us because they respect him, all that stuff. Um, that in the, in the process of him talking about China, somehow they favor anybody but him. The, um, <laughs> The difference between, you know, and why he wants to, why he mentions this all the time is it, and you'll notice this is a, this is a strategy that's happened if you watch like I do every day on the stream at infotainmentwars.com. Come on over. Um, every single day when Trump does a speech and he's actually scheduled to do one again from his club today and, and hopefully it will be as lightning exciting as the one yesterday. Boy, the energy. But, when he when he's asked a question about Russian interference because of the office of the ODNI's report, the ODNI uh, put out, um, his response is, "Yeah, it mentions China and Iran too. I notice you don't bring that up, and why don't you?" Now, the reason is is because if you read the uh, GC special report um, by the Department of State on the pillars of Russian disinformation and what their strategy is. And then you look at what China and Iran are doing or thinking about doing. It's the difference between overt and covert. The Chinese have a clear problem with Donald Trump because he calls COVID-19 the Kung flu. And he's vilified the trade deficit between our two countries as if they're stealing from us instead of Walmart is buying $200 billion more stuff than America sells to China. And they're doing business in China. They're trying, they're competing with Alibaba. And for the, for years, 
the source of Chinese goods, the biggest source of Chinese goods in the United States has been Walmart, as it has wiped out small mom and pop shops across the country as they've, uh, you know, put to, uh, basically eliminated main streets and turned them into Walmarts. It has been through the prevalence of and the cheapness of and the ease of export of Chinese goods. And if you wanted to attack a single entity to reverse that trend, you might want to think about Walmart. But since they've been a Republican donor forever and they're definitely on Trump's side in this whole thing, you're not going to hear that. All you're going to hear about is is China. Alibaba is a, a website owned by Jack Ma. It is, think of it as the uh, Chinese Amazon. Uh, and a lot of ch- Amazon drop shipping is done through Alibaba by individual buyers and sellers as well. Um, it's been the source of when people go build an Amazon business. A lot of times it's drop shipping through Alibaba, which is basically circumventing the business model of Walmart. That said, the Chinese have a very, you know, they would rather have somebody stable they could talk to. They'd rather feel that they were somebody that's not vilifying Chinese people all the time um, uh, that wouldn't, for the safety of the citizenry as they travel, for example, mock uh, Nancy Pelosi for talking to Chinese Americans in Chinatown and reminding people that they're not genetically contagious in terms of COVID-19 and they shouldn't be treated the way people were treating gay people around the beginning of the AIDS epidemic as if it was a gay disease and only spread by them and only spread through contact with them and isolated that community. We've learned lessons from that and you kind of want to nip that in the bud when it shows up. Um, So they clearly have a favorite uh, and it's not Donald Trump at this point. It was initially, now not so much. Same thing with Iran. Iran had a deal with the United States. It wasn't working towards a nuclear weapon. They wanted to build nuclear energy. There's no they, they have more value in the theater of war in the Middle East insofar as their reach through tactical weapons and ballistic weapons versus nuclear weapons. That that ship has sailed. That by having nukes, they raise the chance that Israel will nuke them first and then it's over. That they're as much as ISIS is run by an end times cult. The Iranians are a lot more practical and more interested, quite frankly, even the Mullahs, in their own wealth. So you got to be alive to spend that money. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, Putin isn't Hitler is because he doesn't actually believe in the superiority of the Russian people or he wouldn't be siphoning their money off and running off somewhere else. Now, that said, China has a, uh, you know, would it has a bone to pick with Donald Trump. Iran definitely does, too, because they'd rather have a deal they can count on and some stability. Uh, Whether they think they're going to get that from Biden or not is another question. But Russia, beyond that, has a clear favorite, Donald Trump. Their their strategy has been from the very, very beginning to get Donald Trump elected, to have him in office and to have some level of control or influence, depending on your belief system about the money they've loaned him or whether he's just favorable to dictators. The spectrum of thought, there is no question that Donald Trump admires Vladimir Putin and his ability to, you know, shove doctors out of windows when they talk too openly about COVID-19 or send assassination squads to parks in Germany um, to kill people in allied countries um, uh, extrajudicially and then sneak out of the country. Or, quite frankly, probably his favorite thing, steal hundreds of billions of dollars from the nation's people. And uh, while they live on less than nine thousand dollars a year and hide that money in corporations and and politicians the world over who they can dangle the loss of that money in front of and uh, keep them on a line to gain and continue to grow their power. Whatever your belief system about that is, there is no question in our intelligence community across the board that Russia wants Donald Trump in office either as a chaos agent or as a specific Manchurian candidate, or as just a screw-up that will undermine democracy uh, across the board. It isn't because their enemy is China, and he's finally going after them, and now they have a strategic uh, leg up on, on Chinese production. There is no movement of you know, factories from China to Russia. There is no uh, jockeying back and forth between Russia and China insofar as control over production in the world. 
simply does not exist. Their their strategy is the one thing they share with China is an anti-democratic political strategy. That democracy in and of itself, China being overt in the terms that it is still a communist country, uh, you know, on the surface, it is actually under the surface more capitalist and more cutthroat and free market than anything America would stand for. It is, it is, an, it is entirely black market in terms of its economy the rest of the time. The only thing that makes it semi-communist at this point is that the Communist Party in the country, the CCP, has a, a financial stake in the underground. In these other in these companies and how they're run and the fa- financial benefits that they get. On the other hand, Russia's now a straight up gangster state. It's an oligarchy. It's run effectively so that you know the the people in the top can maintain power re- and and siphon money out of the country um, and gain territory over time, either for you know nationalistic reasons on some of the people that are probably under Putin or financial reasons. Putin's main circle. And the benefit of Donald Trump in office is people starting to recognize that democracy is a pain in the ass. That's what it is. That that, that democracy is not worth the trouble. That's the message, um, either uh, through hard attacks on it that, you know, that the that the Chinese would do, or even that the North Koreans would do, or soft attacks that the Russians do, which is, you know, basically by by Vladimir Putin getting a law passed by rigging an election so that he can stay in power until 2036. Or Xi Jinping making himself the leader for life of China. That the idea that the citizenry picks their leaders is offensive to the idea. And this is this is played out in the um, the idea that's prevalent in Russian nationalistic circles that there that um, Russia is Rome and the rest of the world, the 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 democratic societies, the Western civilization is the permanent Carthage and that they are at war with the Carthage. The Carthage must die is one of the uh, Latin statements that they use to push this Russian nationalistic idea is the problem is this kind of Senate and House-based rabble-rousing electorate finally getting a say that's a, a real attack on the old world order. For all the negative stories you've heard about, you know, nouveau seclorum or whatever the phrase is, the new world order, the new world order as presented on our dollar bill and the like is democracy. And the alignment of democracies across the globe, people picking their own leaders against the old world order, which is monarchy, theocracy, oligarchy, and and in a lot of ways, military dictatorships. And Putin is not letting go of that. He views that that is a weakness of Russia. And Trump is his tool to make us all think democracy is garbage. If the if half the electorate can elect somebody that dumb, and we can get ourselves into that situation. Maybe we need kind of a, you know, a permanent leader kind of a system. That's never going to happen. I don't see that happening. But that's the goal is over time, just get people tired of it. Even if it's just to keep us in a constant state of rebellion where we just it, it's we're all Portland. That as much as Donald Trump says the plan. Oh, I've blown past the break again. I'm doing it again. It's what happens when I have a daily stream. It's. The conversation gets too good. We got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. We'll also take your calls. 773-763-9278. It's the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk, um, where we believe in democracy. Even if we're on the losing side, even if we lose on the field of ideas and we're outvoted, I'm fine with that. As long as it happens legitimately and everybody has access to a vote. We'll be back. Now let's get back with HealthSparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. One of our chatters just uh, mentioned, by the way, that um, if Russia wants to be, you know, the new Rome, Rome fell. 
And there's a lot to you know, about besides the madness of uh, of Putin and his his oligarchical pals that they do look like a bunch of lead paint lickers um, <laughs> as far as their behavior, kind of violent, bad impulse control, that kind of stuff. Um, there, there might be a lot more parallels than they're welcome to. And thank you, Kathy C. Um, uh, and I want to thank everybody who's a new subscriber at infotainmentwars.com. Welcome aboard, you guys, everybody over on our YouTube channel. I, I appreciate you guys being with us every every day in some cases, but certainly every weekend. For those of you that just join us for the Saturday show, don't forget to like and subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. And let's get to some callers. Uh, who do we have, Devin? I know we're starting to build some up. So First, we got David stack. out in North Miami Beach. Excellent. Hey, David, welcome. Are you there? Do we have David? I don't hear him. Do not hear David. Hmm. Well, then we'll go to the next one. All right, next we got EO from the chat room. EO, right on. Electric Outcast. How are you, brother? Well, first off, can you hear me? I can hear you. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, first off, speaking of mafia loyalties, right as I was waiting on hold for you, my dad on Facebook gave me a notification that he was live on Facebook, but I easily disregarded it because my loyalty is... Oh, well, I, no one but that's you, very sweet. <laughs> I, feel, I feel very special. Although, knowing, I think, the political leanings of those around you, I'm, I'm not surprised that I won out. It wasn't that big a... I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's a family gathering. Maybe you should, you know, double stream it. It's, I won't, I'll forgive you if you have to drop in and check on it and make sure that, you know, a, a, a cousin has, yeah, has, Actually, hasn't no. had a health issue, but yeah. Actually, no, it's because he's heading to a Trump rally, apparently. Okay. Now I don't yeah, think Trump so. is there cause he's in Bedminster right now. So it's just kind of a, a grassroots Trump rally put together by somebody. On a website, yeah, probably. Yeah, that's a, what I'm thinking. Yeah. But, um, is, but is, is it one of those like the, with the giant floating Hillary in a prison cell thing from the last election cycle? The the, yeah, the Russian sock might, puppet accounts on Facebook. Something is you. You might be right on that, but uh, mm. but anyway, speaking of which, um, so obviously the reason why I'm calling you is because um, around Labor Day season, my family we gather in Missouri. To mm-hmm. for a family reunion and such. Sure. And and the thing is, I've been struggling whether or not I should go. And the side that's making me not want to go is that it's mostly an outdoor type of family reunion. Sure. Right. And, You're less concerned about the health aspects. Yeah, of, of it because of that. Right. Yes. And, know what so, you're and okay. I know COVID nineteen is airborne, but what's making me think about going is that I'm down to my last grandparent right now and thank God none of my yeah. other grandparents died from COVID. They all died beforehand, but right. But I'm down to my last grandparent and he's getting he's getting up there and and it might be my last year I may get to see him, you know. Right. And I wanted to get right. your advice on that one. Yeah, I you know I I would say that the chances of increase exponentially that if that older person goes to a a large gathering where people aren't socially distancing, aren't wearing masks, especially in a place like Missouri, there is a chance that they could encounter this disease. And, and that would make it, you know, that would raise the chance that this is the last time you get to see them quite a bit. Uh, What I would recommend is shoot for Christmas or, um, or the, you know, or January, February, and just plan out a special trip if you can to go see them then when there's a chance that therapeutics or, uh, or one of the vaccines might take, or that at least the, the, the cycle can be interrupted, um, in that area. So you can take care in that. If indeed you do have to, you know, you want to go see them, but you don't want to carry the disease in there, then I would get tested of, uh, you know, make sure you're negative well, and then avoid everybody else when you go see them and only them wear a mask still because of surfaces and other people breathing and, you know, the chance you might interact with them, interact with them and then go home. Don't go to the well, gathering. I'm not, to I'm do not it. Note how, 
And that's how no how I know my chances of being tested negative are pretty high because I've been isolating myself. Right. I got a doctor's appointment coming up this month, and I know they're probably going to do some mandatory testing just in case. Yep. Yeah. So, um, well, that might that might be when you know. Uh, again, the issue that I have, especially with the tests that take a while, is that you you'll get it. You know, you'll go in. It's three to seven days. Or something in some cases, you know, and they get longer. Some people have said 10 days, two weeks. There, there's a lot of interactions that you forget about. It's kind of like the number of times people touch their face is that you're you may not be aware of how many people you've come in contact with or surfaces you've come in contact with in the time. And then you get a test back that says negative and you've actually come in contact with the disease. And if you got tested again, you would test positive because you actually have it in that time. That's the problem with the accumulative test number that that the president keeps citing. He keeps saying, well, we've tested 65 million people. Well, with the exception of the people who've survived the disease and lived through it or the ones who have passed away, everybody on that who's tested negative could catch it the very afternoon they took the test, much less any time thereafter. So um, I, I would say if you can isolate yourself and go visit them uh, after having tested negative, then perhaps it's worth it. But I would say target out in the future. Christmas, plan a bigger Christmas where you know that they've tracked and traced and we've gotten a better grip on this as we move forward. And if we haven't, then, then, you know, then Matt, we love you. Uh, we'll be back right after this. It's the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide, on WCPT Radio, WCPT820.com. The show is on SexyLiberal.com as the House Parks Radio Podcast, Mega Worldwide, if this is all just too much. We all know that the Clean Phone Pro, with its powerful UV lights, kills bacteria and viruses that live on your cell phone, car and house keys, credit cards, earbuds, face masks, and more. But what happens when you're driving to the store, you reach for your face mask, and realize you wore it yesterday? <laughs> Now you can sanitize that mask in under five minutes in your car because the Clean Phone Pro now ships with a powerful car plug adapter included in the package. So whether you're keeping safe at home or have to go out, you can have the benefits of the Clean Phone Pro with you and sanitize those constantly touched items anywhere, at home, in the car, or at the office. Get the Clean Phone Pro now with a car plug adapter. Add the code SEXYLIBERAL, all one word, at checkout, and you'll get free two-day shipping. Only you can defend yourself and your family from bacteria and virus. Get the new Clean Phone Pro package. Get KN95 masks and get free two-day shipping by adding the code SEXYLIBERAL. Go to the NewDealShop.com. Welcome back to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. It's now time for the happy ending. Yay! Yay! So, um, I almost matched you tone for tone, Devin. Um, let's, uh, we, I, I ate up a bunch of that time with Paul, but, uh, let's grab at least one more caller. Um, and, uh, yeah. And we're at 13,500 subs on, on YouTube now. That's fantastic. Thanks for bringing that up. We, we're, this is growing. It's growing. It's good stuff. Uh, uh, who do we have, Devin? Next, we got Jill out in Michigan. Excellent. Hey, Jill, Welcome. Um, welcome hi, back. I asked, um, I asked Devin to talk to you off air. I need to talk to you about something. Off air? Okay. All right. That's completely reasonable. Um, uh, I don't, I mean, you can reach out to me via, you know, social media is probably the best way to do it or in the discord, um, on, for my channel or whatever. Okay. I can do voice chats in there if that's what you want. It's a little easier that way, but, um, if necessary, um, don't, don't really do that very often, but it's a unique thing that happens every so often, I suppose. But I appreciate the call, Jill. Thank you. Um, let's grab somebody else real quick and uh, who doesn't mind speaking on the air, I guess. Thanks. We got Ron out in Michigan. Hey, Ron. Hey, Ron. Welcome. You hey, there? I love your show. Oh, thank you, I brother. You, Go ahead. Um, I told Devin I was going to try to be funny here. Um, I've heard you refer to Trump as a game show host. I think a better description is washed up game show host. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was a game show host, so I'm always a little, uh, you know, soft on that term. I try not to do it, you know, use it as a pejorative too often, but I will say that, and I, and you, and I'm curious if you agree, but the, a lot of people think of the apprentice as quote, a reality show. 
they they talk about it in sort of the same terms that you would do like you know uh you know the Ozzy Osbourne show or Gene Simmons family jewels or some or the Kardashians or something when in reality it is a game show it's it's idiot survivor and it's a and it's an embarrassment show it's it's meant to especially the celebrity version the idea that rich and powerful people are being made to have a lemonade stand or sell hot dogs or something like that in New York City on the street is it's meant to be funny, embarrassing. It has nothing to do with like they're going to actually learn anything from Donald Trump. He didn't pick who won on the regular apprentice or celebrity apprentice. He didn't fire the people. The the producers chose that person. He he had a real hard time with the teleprompter and he allegedly according to Noel Castor uh defecated himself when they had to do it the when they did the live uh finale one time, screamed racial epithets and stormed out of the room because he was so nervous about going live. Um, right. So, but yes, right. so failed I game mean, show I host. Mean, you yes. Had, uh, you had used the term game show host and I had been using mm-hmm. the term washed up game show host. So I was yes. like, wow, somebody yeah. finally caught up with that. But I had uh, yes. a couple other, I think, funny things maybe here. Cool. Uh, number two, uh, uh, you know, since the Trump name is been removed from various buildings, et cetera. I think uh, the Trump name would be suitable for. I have thirteen of them, and I'll. Or, you have thirteen. Yeah. Trump, Trump sure. Go ahead. Right. Great. Trump mass grave. Trump morgue. Right. Trump garbage dump. Trump smokestack. Trump pollution runoff pipe. Don't give them any ideas. Because I, I can see this happening, you know, especially if Eric takes over. Trump debtors prison. Right. Uh, Trump sinking ship museum. Uh, the Trump no rest in peace cemetery. Uh, no rest. I see. Right. Satanic worship temple. Now, now, now that's hold on. I'll have to stop you there because uh, the Church of Satan, which some would argue is a troll organization that's run by atheists, um, is is, you know, some of their online humor has been fairly solid. So the, the Church of Satan in there, you know, trying to get Baphomets put up in city squares to make the point that we shouldn't favor one religion over another. And that's what happens when you put up a statue of any particular religious uh, person um, or being, okay, maybe I they, suppose. Maybe they are a better. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I think they, I think the church of Satan would reject Donald Trump as too sinful for their, for their gathering. Um, I mean, they, even they would reject the Antichrist um, as a false prophet. Um, that's the irony of it, I suppose. I appreciate the call. We're at the tail end of the show. Thank you for calling in. I'm glad you like the show, and I'm glad you're with us uh, every week. Thanks, everybody, who's uh, been listening. Thank you. Stick around on the on, on WCBT for Dick K right now. Thank you, Devin. Um, Johnny Million will be back with us next week, and I appreciate you guys for joining us. Uh, stick around for the post show on the YouTube channel at infotainmentwars.com, and we'll see you next week. Oh,